you don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A this is Fanatic about the playoffs from the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic, with new episodes premiering the day after every 76ers playoff game. Welcome in to the Fanatic About the Playoffs podcast. On this episode, we recap the Sixers' Game 3 win over the Hawks, a 127-111 win on Friday night, and we look ahead to Game 4. What is the Fanatic About the Playoffs podcast? It is our brand new postseason podcast series with us at the 76ers and our pals at 97.5 The Fanatic, with new episodes dropping the day after every Sixers playoff game. I'm Matt Murphy, pleased to be joined by 76ers team reporter Lauren Rosen, as well as from 97.5 The Fanatic, Tyrone Johnson. Another episode, it is good to be back. And I think I have some Game 3 magic because I did the Game 3 episode for the first series against the Wizards, and that was a big win as well. So now coming off Game 3 in Round 2, we are back. And Tyrone, I know as we record this, you're coming off Another episode of the Tyrone Johnson show. The the vibes must have been good. What was the sentiment coming out of the, the most recent Sixers playoff game? Uh, more and more, it's starting to just show that the Sixers are the better team. And you take away that first half, and it's just the numbers say after the first half of game one, the Sixers have outscored them by 48 points since then. And you can just see it. The numbers sort of just are just confirming what our eyes see. The Hawks are better than the Wizards. The Hawks are not a bad basketball team by any stretch. It's just that the Sixers are a better basketball team. And one of my big takeaways for people are the Sixers team, which is built on defense, and they score whenever they want so far in the playoffs. Kind of, it hasn't mattered. That's one thing that kind of hasn't changed as the opponent changed. Offensively, they were able to do whatever they wanted against the Wizards. And then last night, they they shot like like, like they didn't miss. Like that's one thing that everyone was noticing. And that's where it's kind of hard to beat a team if you can't ever stop them from scoring. I'm coming back to the field goal percentage in a second, Ty, but to Lauren, for your takeaways, Doc Rivers said post-game, 10 turnovers for the game for him told the story. How about for you, what told the story of game three? So I think um, 
Tyrone made a really good point. Game one, we the Sixers needed to sort of keep it moving, get over the hump. And then since that first half of game one, it's really been all Sixers. And for me in game three, I was looking at the bench because the bench had sort of a starters game one experience in game two. That first half was slow. They figured it out in the second half. Would they be able to figure it out in game three? And then of course, when Danny Green went down, and I know we're going to be talking about that in a little bit, but that was an immediate opportunity for the bench to come in and to make stuff happen. We saw Matisse sub in a couple minutes earlier than we're used to seeing him, but then we saw Furkan in the first quarter, which is not something we've seen a ton of, or at least not heavy minutes, and, and he was able to rise to the occasion. So seeing the two of them come in and be the disruptor on defense and the offensive powerhouse that early, they passed the test that I was looking for in game three, and the bench, of course, kept firing all night long. So to me, if the starters are clicking and, and doing what they need to do, which they really found their stride again, sort of one half late. And then the bench was able to do the same. It, it proves Tyrone's point. This is the better basketball team. And, and that's what we've seen since that first half of game one. Let's go to each of you about the bench and Furkan Korkmaz in particular, because if it started with Shake Milton, uh, the bench resurgence in the second half of game two, it continued with Furkan Korkmaz right out of the gate in game three, 11 first quarter points. He finished with a new playoff career high 14, but he was a big spark. And it just shows with this bigger rotation than usual for a playoff team, it shows that it can be anybody on any given night. And in game three, it was Korkmaz. Yeah. You know, Korkmaz does a, a couple things. Um, we know what Korkmaz doesn't do. He's not a perfect basketball player, but there is an interesting wrinkle that I noticed pretty quickly. Once Danny Green, unfortunately got hurt. That's not a good thing in any, by any stretch. When Korkmaz came in the game, all of a sudden, Trey Young has to play defense because Korkmaz does do tr does try to do things off the dribble, and it was pretty noticeable pretty quick that like there was no place for Trey Young to hide once Korkmaz came in because he's not just going to stand in the corner. And Danny Green led the NBA in corner threes. It's fantastic. Not taking anything away. It's just Korkmaz is a different player. And right away, once he's making shots, Trey Young had no place to hide, and that really makes a team that's having trouble guarding have that much more trouble. So it's like he provided a wrinkle off the bench that like the Hawks really weren't ready for. And by having to play him earlier with the starters due to the injury, I think it really threw the game plan of the Hawks off even more. I don't think they have an adjustment on their roster to it, to be honest. And Lauren, how about Ferk's quote after the game? Hold on. I, I can't even, um, let me pull it up so I don't butcher it because I think he deserves to be heard on this one. Um, but Ferk's, Ferk's 24 years old and he's been in this league for four years now, and I know he's still a young guy, and I don't think people see him as a veteran, but he's been through a lot in those four seasons. If you think about what he's seen with the Sixers team, where he's been big, where he's faded away, he's someone that now sort of understands what the formula is to being an NBA player, and it's been really cool to see him grow into a sort of constantly ready, um, always eager to impress type of role. His quote after game three about the Sixers gradually sort of hitting their stride and really finding it in game three. He said, game one is like a fish coming out of the water. Sometimes you don't know what it's going to be. And I think that that's very wise, very wise words from Burke, who he and I talk a lot about his English. And I think his English has improved so much credit to him. I mean, those jobs are hard enough when you have to answer questions from the media. Imagine doing it in, in your second language. I mean, I always have an appreciation for that. Um, and Burke is He's wise. I don't know if that quote came off exactly the way it would if it had been in Turkish. I don't know if there's like a fish saying that maybe we don't know about. But when you really get to the root of it, you don't know what a game one is going to look like. And sometimes the fish has to figure out 
how to swim. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm defending <laughs> too uh, I, much on that one, but I like it. I like the philosophy. I like the philosopher Ferk that we got to see post game. I absolutely loved it. And I think the fans out there loved it as well. Before we get to our X factor from last night's game, I, I said we would come back to it. The shot making, if anybody caught any of the quotes coming out from the Hawks camp, Nate McMillan, their head coach was talking about how good this Sixers defense is when they're set. He said they're pretty good. I think they're better than that when they're making shots and able to get back and set up the defense. So Tyrone, Joel Embiid was a big part of that, but shooting 58% as a team for the game. Second time this postseason they've done it at Sixers Stats on Twitter. First time in Sixers history that the team has done so in multiple playoff games. So it was impressive because it didn't allow the Hawks to get out and transition much at all. Yeah, and you mentioned Joel Embiid, and I guess at this point, it's like sometimes we take certain things for granted. Uh, the Hawks threw, threw a lot more attention to him. It was very obvious, especially early, and he had to sort of ease his way into the game. But by pulling his ability now that maybe he wouldn't have had last season to be away from the basket and be such a good facilitator and be able to throw pinpoint passes out of those doubles and triple teams that like that alley-oop that may or may not have been on purpose to Ben Simmons early, for example, I think it just makes it that much tougher to cover. And then him anchoring that defense, once he's allowed to get back and get set, just forget about it. Um, This is a really special thing. And Tobias Harris, I think also deserves credit in that the Hawks just, he gets downhill much better than he used to. And you saw it throughout that game. This is what, six straight games with 20 points and six rebounds. Like it's, it's insane how consistent he's been. So I just think seeing it in the game, and, and this was the moment where I kind of saw, you know what? I don't think the Hawks are going to have an answer for this. That was honestly going through my mind actively as the Sixers continued to score after that ragged first part of the game where they had, I guess, six of their 10 turnovers in the first quarter and only four the rest of the way. You just saw this offense just really be able to move. And I, and I'm more and more as the game goes on, I go, I don't think the Hawks have an answer. If the third quarter was a turning point, that means there's a guy we have to talk about as the X Factor, and that was Ben Simmons. X Factor. Joel Embiid, certainly we need to talk about him as much as we do, if not more, but Ben Simmons, his aggressive start to the third quarter in what was a five-point game at halftime was really a big story in game three. He finished with 18 points, seven, rebound, seven assists, four rebounds, but again, Lauren, it was a five-point game at halftime, and he scored 11 points in the third quarter, most of those buckets coming early on right out of the break. Yeah, 11 in the third, four for five from the field in the third, three assists in the third, after spending the first half chasing Trey Young around at a high level. And, and I just think, Tyrone, I know we talked about this last time the two of us did this show last weekend, um, but we got to just make sure we're giving Ben Simmons credit for the stuff that he does do. And I think... Aside from the offense clicking, aside from everything that Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris have been for this team, the biggest thing might be the adjustment on guarding Trey Young. And Ben Simmons has to get most of the credit for that. Matisse Thibel, of course, deserves some credit for that. But as soon as, as Doc Rivers made that switch defensively, this series hasn't been nearly as competitive as I think people thought it would be after game one. So you've got to give Ben a ton of credit for the defense. And then that aggression that he showed in the third quarter to create the separation that would ultimately make the difference in the game. That was on the offensive end. He really did it all as he often does. And it's nice to sort of start to see 
Philadelphia give him props for all the things he does do. Devon Givens made an interesting point yesterday. He said that we're the only ones that are allowed to, to criticize or critique Ben Simmons. And now that the, that the national media is getting involved and there's a national conversation going, going on about it, it's like, no, 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 this is family business and we'll defend our own to uh, externally. And I think we're seeing a lot of that now and, and I've, I've loved it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There was one play, I think, because I'm following with the fans for Sixers Outsiders. I'm, I'm following along. There was one play where Ben was under the basket in the first half, and he didn't shoot, and he kicked it out to, to Curry, and people were getting a little bit angry. And then one layup in the second half, right away, and everybody's like, all right, we're, we're good now. We're good now. Um, Gallinari was guarding him for a good stretch of that early in the third quarter. It was like, Wait, well, you know this isn't going to work. Like, Gallinari cannot guard Ben Simmons. And I think it was nice to see Ben with that recognition. He is an unselfish player. We know it. he's a facilitator first and foremost at, in his nature. But I think even he saw, like, if you're going to put this guy on me, you got to be kidding me. Like, I also, I could average 40 on that guy. Like, putting Gallinari on, but they, I don't know if they have a better option. The Hawks, they, they honestly don't. But I like to see that from him because there's no need for him to always be unselfish especially with all the attention that Joel Embiid was, has been drawing. No need to always be unselfish. I was just encouraged because he said, you know what? This guy, uh-uh, this isn't it. If it was some elite defender or some way, but like this guy can't guard me. And it almost felt like he was um, being demonstrative after some of those shots. Like this guy has to get off me. And I like when Ben shows personality. I think that also helps people kind of wrap their arms around him a little bit more. So Gallinari, no DeAndre Hunter in this series. He was questionable the first two games. Then he has the surgery. Same injury, actually, as Joel B with the lateral meniscus tear. But we, of course, don't know the severity of everyone's individual injuries. Um, but no DeAndre Hunter. So Gallinari, John Collins got blown by at times. Um, but when it comes to Ben Simmons, quickly before we move on, that play you're talking about, Ty, I think situation matters. And if there was four seconds left on the shot clock and he was under the basket and it's one that you'd like to see him shoot, but I think he made up for it with the third quarter, but late clock, you want to see him when he's that close, just try a reverse layup or dunk or something like that. Yeah. People were noticing that particular thing. And I think that uh, people get nitpicky when it comes to Ben Simmons because he does so many things, but they're nuanced things. They're not always beat you over the head things. So when a mistake sort of beats you over the head, you throw out all the nuance. And, and, and that's something I think he would even admit, I should have shot that one. So after the game, go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to quickly, quickly, before we move on from Ben, we got to talk about his chemistry with Joel last night. The, the, the camp that feels that Ben and Joel can't play together have gotten real quiet. And I really appreciate that. We have to talk about that really weird hook lob where Ben was, it, it just went from zero to beautiful in zero seconds. It, that was to me the play of the series so far, just because of how casual it was. And that is extremely difficult to do. I love the way that the two of them have been playing together and the way that they've been playing with Tobias as a third. The chemistry is off the charts. The starting five, of course, that's including Danny Green, has had the highest plus minus by a lot in these playoffs. They were excellent in the regular season. These are This is a group of guys that really does know how to play with each other productively, and I don't think we're talking about that enough. Not us, but we. The world. The collective yes. we. Yes. Yes. Wherever this playoff run ends up for the 2020-21 76ers, that 
Ben Simmons to Joel Embiid alley-oop in game three against the Hawks is part of the highlight package, the montage of this playoff run for sure. It's already cemented its place. That was an awesome highlight to say the least. We'll continue the conversation in a moment, but right now we have to quickly tell you about DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the Philadelphia 76ers, and they'll have free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in cash prizes. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SIXERS when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in cash prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code SIXERS for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, after the game, a lot of the talk, and let's bring it back to Joel Embiid, because whether it was him or teammates or his coach talking about it, he is pushing through a lot right now. They said it. You know, even if I'm playing injured, uh, I still got to do my job. That's why they pay me, and I want to win the championship. Uh, so that's my goal, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. When he was on the court afterwards, when he was in his media session, if the first two games of the series felt less physical game three felt like it took more of a physical toll on him and we see him fall to the ground and every time he did hold his other knee at one point in the third game of this series so he talked about keep getting back up keep fighting still have a job to do he wants to win a championship his determination is always evident but last night it seemed like the game took a little bit more of a physical toll on him yeah, he sounded tired. I don't, I'm not a person that tries to be like a psychologist. He just sounded tired after the game compared to the media availability after the first and second game. He sounded different. Um, the game was more physical. Um, this is where I think the schedule could help them. Um, normally, I'm a person who likes when the players can get into that every other day kind of groove in the playoffs. Having Saturday and Sunday off, I don't think can be anything but good for him. And I'm not just playing doctor. I'm saying if you're, if you're sore, it's probably better to have another day to have treatment when you're sore. Clearly, he's playing through a lot. Doc Rivers mentioned that. Um, I'm still really impressed at the level in which he's able to play and the versatility that he has. Um, maybe he can't score 40 in game four, but he probably has made it to the point where he doesn't need to because his passing has gotten so good or his defense has gotten so good. So I think he'll still be able to play, it looks like, and help the team. But he did sound, and you guys can – fully correct me if I'm wrong, like he was a little bit more tired, a little bit more beat up after game three than he was after game one and two. That was my, yeah, that's what I was getting at. And, and Lauren, it's early in the, in the journey of the playoffs. And it's game three of the, the Eastern Conference semifinals. So just something that everyone is going to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the playoffs. To me, it's just about giving him credit for what he is doing, though. I mean, I'm, I can't be a doctor. I don't know what it's like to play with, with what he's playing through. But to me, his message post-game, what I really took away from it was the idea he said that his mantra moving forward and all season long has been no matter what comes at him, he's going to keep going. And that's what I've seen. If I didn't know about this injury, I don't think I would be seeing it in these playoffs. Last night, sure, a little bit quieter for Joel Embiid for what we're used to, but he didn't need to be. Like you said, Ty, he didn't need to be as loud as he was 
in the couple previous games. I think he's been excellent. Props to him for playing through it. It's been such a long season and taxing on all of their bodies. The way that this season was crammed together, I, I just am really happy that things aren't worse for this group. It's it's hard to see what happened to Danny, and it's hard to hear that Joel is playing through this injury. But shout out to them for playing through it the way that they have been with a lot of grace and a lot of poise. They're all still pretty young, and I think they're doing a great job. A playoff career high, eight assists for Joel Embiid. So when they're going to double team him, he's been passing out of them in style, especially most recently. Time now to look ahead. The adjustment. And with the Danny Green calf strain, the rotation is large at 10 or 11 players, but without a starter for a starting unit that has been so good the question has to be asked what's that going to look like moving forward shake milton was involved in the first half and then furkan korkmaz started the third quarter with the sixers coming out of the locker room so i i guess let's just dive into that and danny green is more than likely going to have to miss some time so how the team looks in the next few games and what the rotation looks like or the starting lineup is going to be something to note ty yeah, for, for sure. Um, I, if I had to guess, if I had to guess who would replace him if he can't play, I guess Korkmaz would end up being the starter. We saw that at different times in the regular season where Korkmaz really flourished with the starting unit because he has less overall responsibility than he would with the bench unit. Also, when you throw in the wrinkle of Thibel being sort of your backup defensive plan, you probably wouldn't want to start Thibel and Simmons with going against Trey Young, you probably want them kind of staggered to a certain amount for defensive purposes. I think it just screams that Cork Miles will then start. And then the question becomes two things. Um, can he make enough shots to keep the Hawks honest? Because Danny Green, not in this series, but by and large, he makes 40% of his threes. He's a guy you must cover. You can't just leave him open. And also the added wrinkle that I mentioned right in the beginning, Cork Miles does, you can put him in more pick and roll situations and he has all year. Does he maybe in a short burst maybe provide a spark, a little extra for this lineup because he just does a, a, a specific thing that Danny Green doesn't really do. And maybe that gives the Hawks one more one more thing to possibly worry about in the short term. In the long term, obviously you want Danny Green back and you want this starting lineup, as you mentioned, Lauren, is the best in the NBA back. But I do think there's an opportunity in the short term to kind of put the screws to the Hawks that much more if Moss starts. Yeah, and yeah. I think – to that point, Lauren, coming back to you, just Shake Milton, him being a viable option again from that game two performance is so big, especially because he's used to coming off the bench. I mean, this is a guy who was getting six man of the year praise at the beginning of the season, heading into the season. So leave him there, kind of bring him off, and hopefully he can replicate some of that spark. And Furkan has experience starting. So I think that's what we'll probably see. I mean, this might be a cop-out, but the same way that I'm not a doctor, I'm also not an NBA head coach, nor will I ever be. Um, but what I like about this situation, so I say that to say that I'm not going to predict who's going to end up in the starting lineup, but I like the fact that there are so many options now. Doc Rivers has been saying it all season long. He's not scared to go deep. He's not scared to give all of his guys opportunities, which we've seen all postseason long. I agree with you guys. Matisse coming off the bench makes a lot of sense defensively, but he's had a couple really quality starts under his belt this season. He is the one who came in to relieve Danny Green earlier than usual last night. Furkan Korkmaz rounding into form at the exact right time. And worth noting that 
Burke has been with Ben and Joel now for four years. He's been around. He's been a part of this machine this entire time. The two of them actually had really nice things to say about Burke on postgame, which I appreciated hearing. You don't always hear the stars praising the guys that are towards the back of the rotation and vice versa. But Ferk has also been really open about the fact that he loves playing with Ben and Joel because of the looks that it opens up for him. So I feel very confident with either of those two. Shake has obviously been wonderful over these last two came in, didn't have to do as much in, in game three, but still showed that confidence and that ability to get his buckets. And then you can't count out Tyrese Maxey either. I love what this group has in terms of options, whether it's someone replacing Danny in the starting lineup, if someone has to, we don't know that for sure. If someone has to replace Danny in the starting lineup or just guys picking up more slack when it comes to coming off the bench as they usually do, there are some really good options and they haven't all fired on the same night yet. I don't remember which player said it last night, but the idea that that's still coming is like a holistic, really good bench night that hasn't happened yet. And it seems like that's what this is all building up to last thing on Furcon. He's also really improved defensively this season. He spent a lot of time with Matisse Thibel picking his brain and trying to figure out some defensive tips and tricks from his friend. And I think while he's never going to have the defensive talent that Matisse has, he's starting to see the game the way that Matisse does. There are these little moments where he like reaches out for a deflection or he's anticipating a pass that I never saw from Furcon prior to this season. So I like the fact that no, he's not Danny Green defensively, but he's not a liability defensively either the way that maybe people would have said he used to be. I've been really impressed with his improvement there. So yeah, anyway, I went on this whole rant, but I just think that there are a lot of good options. And at this point in the playoffs, it's really nice to have a lot of good options there. Although with one fewer player potentially in the mix, foul trouble, Matisse Thibel picked up some fouls and that was a factor in last night's game. It didn't turn into a huge factor, but just one less player that you could possibly go to. So when you're throwing the house at a player like Trey Young with different defenders, just being smart. I know Trey Young drawing fouls is a huge controversial topic with the officials, um, but Matisse picked up, I mean, obviously he fouled out of the game, but the game was already decided at that point. Last thing, Tyrone George Hill, another name, from that group that we didn't really mention. So he could, maybe he's next for all we know, but in turning it around and having a notable performance, when you lose a veteran like Danny Green, it helps to have another guy with a ton of experience in George Hill. Yes, um, the fans, I, I know talking on the radio today and on social media have been a little frustrated with George Hill up until this point, but I still think he's going to have a big moment. I truly believe that with all the playoff experience that he has, I'm interested in what he does going forward. And to Lauren's point, that she mentioned about maybe the bench having that collective game. The Hawks got theirs in game one. The Sixers have not had theirs yet. It would be very, very nice if, because they stepped up better in game three, but if they could have that in game four, now that's where you can really have locked down the series. And Hill has been sort of the, because we've had the shake moment. We've had the court miles moment. Dwight Howard is like an old oak tree, just reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get every single night, like, rebounds, physical play, foul, like you know what you're getting every single night from him. So if Hill could sort of, and you know what you're getting from Thibault with the deep, you know what you're getting. If Hill could have that game, he would be sort of that missing piece to where you finally ignite everybody on the bench. And that's when you really can get one of those really easy victories. And now you got the Hawks will ask themselves some tough questions. So yes, I think Hill's still capable of it. Getting that in game four to me would be just gigantic because then I think you can break the back of that team. 
just because we've sort of now like dissected every moment of this game three, I just want to give a shout out to one more of my favorite moments that I forgot until you mentioned George Hill. When Dwight took that three that like, he's not going to get yelled at for. It was the end of the shot clock. He was wide open. He practices those during warmups, whatever. He misses it. But then George Hill ends up getting his miss and making it. That was huge. That to me was when you knew, okay, like this is over. They got this. And I think that that was special because George had been, I don't know if I would say struggling, but but maybe not making quite as flashy of an impact as, as maybe people expected him to make off the bench. To see him be able to do that in that moment and clean up for Dwight, I just thought holistically that was a really nice moment for this team and for this bench unit. I felt the same way as you. When that went in, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and relax and lay back a little easier. I did. You're right. I think I literally leaned back a little bit right afterwards. <laughs> Maybe not the Dwight Howard three-point shooting, but I've been very impressed with his free throw shooting. For a team that has struggled at the line, Dwight is making most of his count. So you'd like to see the rest of the group pick it up a little bit when the games matter more. But that is uh, just about time for this episode. You can catch Tyrone Johnson on 97.5, The Fanatic, The Mike Missinelli Show, The Tyrone Johnson Show, also Sixers Outsiders on NBC Sports Philadelphia. So Tyrone, thanks again for joining fanatic about the playoffs no thanks so much for having me guys thanks so much for tyrone and our sixers team reporter lauren rosen i'm matt murphy thanks for listening and watching quick programming reminder to check out the scoop it's the daily five minute update podcast from the 76ers podcast network find it by searching 76ers scoop and follow along throughout the playoffs as for the next episode of fanatic about the playoffs that will be tuesday Coming off game four in Atlanta. You've been listening to Fanatic About the Playoffs from the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic. Look for new episodes the day after every 76ers playoff game. And follow the 76ers Podcast Network by searching 76ers Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. With a refreshing, smooth taste, this cerveza is ready to play ball. Enjoy the Sixers games and live La Vida Mas Fina with an ice-cold Corona Extra, Corona Light, or Corona Premier. Stock up for game day and get Corona delivered today at ordercorona.com. Corona is an official partner of the 76ers. You must be 21 or older. Please enjoy responsibly. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.